Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. So, if you know me well, you know I really like to laugh. I really like comedy. I like stand up comedy. I like comedy shows. I like comedy movies. I like quoting movies. I like quoting comedians. I like laughing. Laughing so much to the point that growing up, my friends would actually be like, hey, I heard about this movie and I have to watch it with you because of my laugh. Or like, they just knew, like, watching it with this fuddy dud over here, they're just not going to be as into it. You know, watching it with Matt, he's going to laugh, he's going to love it. And, and I'm going to, people actually said, I actually laughed more at you than I laughed at the movie <laughs> because I was just so into it. So much to the point that the second time, second time, right, that I ever met my wife was at a birthday party. And I left because um, I had a different girlfriend at the time. She would want me to say that because she wants you to know that I'm a bad person, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. She doesn't want you to know. Um, but I left, and my friends decided that it would be fun after I left to make fun of me and make and do impressions of my laugh, which she thought was hilarious. And it's like, I mean, I can't describe it to you. You know, it's kind of like you're running out of breath. You know, like you're breathless. Like I'm laughing so hard I can't breathe. And so then I like gasp in air at some point, you know. But I love to laugh. I think laughing is one of the great miracles of life itself. I think that just finding things funny and finding things ironic, you know, I wasn't able to really pick up on dad jokes in terms of like making them until I turned 37 recently, okay? I, something just clicked. All of a sudden I saw the irony in everything around me. And I, and I was just like, I've got to make a joke about that. And I've got to reference things that are just old enough that they're not relatable anymore in my joke. Anyways, I wasn't good at it till recently, but I'm having fun making them. But so I was having a conversation with my mom recently, and I quoted a movie. I don't know what I said. I do it all the time. I just throw them in casual conversation. I'm sure people just think the things I say. You know, like I get on the mic sometimes before worship, and I say, hey, I just want to tell you guys, good luck. We're all counting on you. Anybody know what movie that's from? It's from Airplane. Anybody a Leslie Nielsen fan? Come on. Hilarious. My dad raised me on the stupidest version of comedy that you could... My dad has a cardboard cutout of Austin Powers in his living room. I mean, that's pretty strong, right? <laughs> I mean, like, as any child, my, my nephew spent the night over there recently. I was like, they had to be terrified. I mean, they, when they walked, they're five and two. When they walked in that room, like, who is this ugly man in the corner? But I was raised on... The wildest, corkiest, weirdest sense of humor. And so I said a joke to my mom. And she was like, oh, your dad liked those stupid movies. And I was like, oh, that's where I got it from. You know, like, and I think I had realized that before, but it kind of hit me that like, oh, he planted that seed in me. Like she planted different seeds. I mean, my mom was the musician. You know, she played the piano and sang and her whole family was musical. My dad tried to play the flute of all things. I don't know why he got into that. And, but he planted the seeds of comedy and humor and, and, and all those things into me. 
And I just start to think about that a lot. I, I like to think about the very nature of things. At the very core, it drives my wife crazy because every time that she wants to talk about anything up here at the surface, why, how, when, how, all the questions ensue because I'm trying to get to like the root of the thing. You know, like, where did it come from? She, she's like, this person was mean to me. And I'm like, yeah, but what happened in their childhood? You know? <laughs> and, and, fr- and frankly, she's, she's like, I don't care about their childhood. They were mean to me right now. <laughs> and I'm like, eh, but it matters. It really does. It's hard for me to get past that that seed was planted. That seed of anger. That seed of insecurity. That seed of something was planted at some point, and it's now bearing fruit in someone's life. And so what we're going to talk about today is sowing and reaping. And so this is actually, in my opinion, in all of my reading of the Bible and all the different sermons I've heard, at the root of most things and most talked about in the Bible, again, in my opinion, is the law of sowing and reaping. Now, it's talked about in lots of different ways, but it's talked about at the very beginning of the Bible. It says that God created all things. So first of all, we have to start in that context. We have to all agree that God made all things, that he had made everything, and he made it with purpose. He didn't make it and then tell it to change. He made it the way that he liked it. It says that he was pleased after he made it. He was pleased with how he made it. He designed it in a very specific way. And a couple times ago that I taught, I talked about the designs of God. And that really, if we want to live this life to its fullest, we have to understand the design. Because if you don't understand the design, if I don't understand the design of my car, then I'm going to inherently drive it into the ground or ruin it faster um, than I would have if I understood how it worked. Now, We have to start with that context in this conversation because we have to start with that God designed us. He designed not only us, he designed every tree, every plant uh, seed-bearing thing. He designed the universe. He designed every single thing. He designed gravity. He designed the fact that when I push against this, it falls over. He designed the fact that we're all made of molecules, but for some reason some of those molecules make me and some of those molecules make you, and we don't really understand how any of that works, but he designed it all, and we're just gradually maybe trying to understand all that is in his creation. And this is really what the Bible does. I said this a couple times ago when I taught, that things didn't become true when they said them in the Bible. Those things were already true. The Bible just unearthed them to us. And when Christ came and he talked about, um, you know, all these different things, he's like, well, when this happens, this happens. And you shouldn't do this and you should do that. When he's saying all these things, they didn't become true in that moment. They were always true. He just helped us to understand and see them more clearly. And so the laws that God has placed into the universe have already existed, have existed long before us, and they govern everything, every single thing. They govern our lives as well as the way that the trees produce fruit and flowers, and they produce things in the spirit, not just the physical, but also in the spirit. And what we also see in the Bible is that Jesus uses many physical representations to teach about spiritual truths. 
which means that there must be some kind of mirror between the laws that God have made, not only govern the physical, but they also govern the spiritual. And this is important for us to understand if we're going to talk about sowing and reaping, because when we talk about sowing and reaping, it's so deeply integrated into the universe around us that we have to understand that it exists and will operate the way it was designed, no matter what we think about it. It will operate the way that God designed it to. Just like gravity. It helps me keep my feet to the ground, but as soon as I trip, it also pulls me down. It makes me hurt myself. That is going to work no matter if I'm standing upright or falling down. That's just how it works because that's how it was designed. But when you understand the design, then you can start to understand how I can use it, but also how it might be hurting my life when I'm not using it the right way. So when we talk about the law of sowing and reaping, sometimes, you know, maybe this is just me, but sometimes I can hear a word and I kind of put it in the box of my human understanding. You know, Pastor Josh talks about this a lot, you know, like he's so far beyond our understanding that it can start to hurt our mind trying to comprehend all the things of God or the infiniteness of him himself. But so a lot of times as humans, we take these, these words and these principles and we put them in this tiny little box, so much smaller than it was ever designed to live within. And one of those things is law. I kind of take law and I think, well, it works some of the time, kind of like I obey the speed limit some of the time, which is my daughter the other day. We were on a winding road. She goes, you're going really fast, Daddy. Are you speeding? And I was like, I'm really sorry. I speed all the time. <laughs> And I could just see the disappointment on her face. Like, like she was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. And so, you know, laws in the human realm are so much different than laws that God makes, you know? So, you know, it takes us so much effort to make a law. I mean, like you have this long process of people writing them, voting for them, then putting them into action, and then you have all the people that are there to enforce those laws. And then if you just so happen to get caught, you can break them. You just can't get caught breaking them. Once you get caught breaking them, now there's more people and effort that goes into holding you accountable for not obeying that law. Well, that's not how the laws of God work. You see, God is omnipresent. He's in all things. It says in John that he created all things through him. He holds all things together. He is everywhere all at once. So his laws are governed by him every moment of every day, all the time. He is the enforcer. He's the creator. He's the one that's upholding those laws. And so I can't say that, oh, well, God is sometimes faithful. That's not true. The reason we can sing songs about God's infinite faithfulness is because he said it, therefore he spoke it, it becomes law, and now it becomes reality. And that is how God works. He speaks, things become reality instantly, and they don't change. They can't change by my circumstances. They can't change no matter how much I don't believe them. They just are what he says. Because, again, we have to start with the context that he created everything. He designed everything. He holds everything up and together. When you believe that, you believe that he's always faithful because he said he was. You believe that he'll never fail you. We sing that song, that he will never fail. It says that in the Bible. 
God said that. Therefore, it is the truth. We have to start by understanding that his laws are so much different than our laws. Now, the Bible comes and it reveals to us some of these things, things that we could just call common sense because, again, these things existed before we ever read them. These things are true. For example, in Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. That didn't become true when somebody said that in the Bible. That's always been true. Have you ever yelled at someone and they didn't get angry or didn't yell back? Yelling produces more yelling. That's just how it works. Anger produces more anger. Bitterness produces more bitterness. Bigotry produces more bigotry. Always. Because it says at the very beginning of time in Genesis 1, that God made all the animals, he made all the birds, he made all the trees, all the things, and he specifically said about each one of them, including mankind, that each one of them is able to produce after itself. At the very beginning of time, God is outlining, this is the law of sowing and reaping. Everything creates after itself. Everything has the ability to plant seeds around it and produce more of itself. Everything in nature everything in the supernatural, everything has the ability to plant seed. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue can bring death or life, and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. The power of life and death are in our tongue. Everybody knows that's true. I can either bring life to someone or I can bring death to someone. I can either uplift them or I can tear them down. I have that power because God gave me that power. Because guess what? God created me in his image. And when I was made in his image, he then went out and he said, go make more of me. He said, go reproduce me in the earth. Go make more of me. But the problem is, is like I said at first, we get in the way and we tamper the waters. And all of a sudden, the seeds that we're producing are no longer him, but they're now us. And I know that when I get involved, things can go sideways. But when he's involved, things tend to be great. I have this guy that every time I ask him how he's doing, he always says, without, a, without fail, I haven't been over 10 years, it's all good when it's all God. Which is very true. And also really good at not talking to anybody about how you're actually feeling. <laughs> like, that is 100% true and 100% deflection, but, you know, <laughs> but it is true. When it's all God, it is all pretty good. In Matthew 5, 3 through 7, we're talking about the Beatitudes. This is uh, uh, wherever Bill is. He did a great job talking about the Sermon on the Mount this morning in our huddle. And so Jesus is going through the, what we call the Beatitudes, which is, you know, blessed are those who this... It says uh, in 3 through 7, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. These are laws that God has set up. This is how it works. We can't change it. This is just how it is. 
But some of these are very interesting. It says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. Notice that it doesn't say, God blesses those who take justice into their own hands. God blesses those who hunger and thirst. To hunger and thirst is not an, a, an action that I go and do. It's something in here. I long for justice. And it says that I will be satisfied. That might not be the way I wanted to carry it out myself, but he promises that I will be satisfied. And that's something that we can rest in. Knowing that it says that, therefore it is true that I don't need to take matters into my own hands. That God wants to bring justice in the right time, in the right way. And I just need to hunger and thirst for justice. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. That's the law of sowing and reaping right there. Mercy planted will grow into mercy for me. That is, we always should want to plant what we want to produce. So, let me get back to my notes. So, sowing and reaping, like I said, um, I believe is the most prominent thing talked about in the Bible. It's talked at the beginning of time. Like I said, all things that were created, he specifically says these will all reproduce after their own kind. It's also what Jesus basically said to his disciples when he comes down. He lives with them for a few years. He makes them his disciples or like is teaching them like how to be more like him. And then all of a sudden when he leaves, he says, now go. He's talking to his disciples. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Go and reproduce what I have produced in you. So Jesus, he wants to come into our lives, and he wants to change us more into his image. And then he wants to send us out into the world around us and reproduce more of himself. Because that is the original thing that God wanted to do in the first place. He creates man in his image and says, go make more of me, because he knows that his spirit, his Essence, everything about him produces the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Kindness, love, joy, patience, long-suffering. I want that produced in the world around me. Not the anger and the bitterness, the judgment, all these things that we, you don't have to look very far to find them. We have to start planting the right seeds. And so I want to ask three questions. If, if you left knowing nothing of what I said. You just blacked out. <laughs> Try to ask yourself these three questions. Am I sowing what I intend to grow? You know, because we will not reap what we want to reap. We will reap what we sow. We can have all the faith in the world for this thing, but it doesn't matter if you're not planting the right seeds. So I, I had an instance, I talked about it long ago with, with my son, where I was just angry he wouldn't do what I wanted him to do. And I thought that controlling him was going to be the way that you get the expected result. But acting that way only produces that back to you. It's once you take a step back, you take a deep breath, you say, God, produce in me your spirit. Now, all of a sudden, he'll speak to you, and he, he will lead you to do what you thought wouldn't work. Or you could even say it didn't work the thousand times before. 
just like Jesus with the disciples. They're like, we already cast our nets on the side of the boat. He's like, cast them again. It could be that God could lead you to do the same thing that you feel like never succeeded. But maybe you did it in his strength instead of your own. Maybe it was him doing it instead of you doing it. In this moment, he wants to speak to us. He wants to lead us to plant the right seeds so that we can bear the right fruit. You know, obviously like anyone, Cammie and I want peace in our home. We want things to be efficient. You know, I've got a 13-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 7-year-old. And we'd like to expect... Yeah, I'm in an interesting spot. Um, So (laughs) I would love them to be super competent and, you know, do all the things they're supposed to do and, and all those things, but that's just not reality. I know a lot of adults that don't even do that. So how am I expecting these children to do it? And so I took a step back at some point. You know, I, I, I don't try to have, like, the, the typical, like, male-female norms in my mind of, like, I do this and females do that. Take that off the table. That's not true, Okay. So take that off the table, and let's just say that you should do whatever produces the right fruit, okay? In your family or in your life, whatever produces the fruit that you're wanting, you should do. And so, for example, laundry was always an issue at our house. Always an issue. Like, every morning was stressful. Like, the kids are coming. I don't have any pants. It's cold outside. I don't have any of this. It's Sunday. I don't have any churchish clothes. You know, I'm not going to say church clothes because they don't have, like, suits and ties or anything. It's like, you know, barely dressing up. And so that was really stressful. I mean, every morning was like that. I mean, or we'd be like, well, they're clean, but they're in this basket, and then they're so wrinkly. You're like, they might as well be dirty. I mean, and so it was really stressful at home. And finally, God, in one of our, uh, like, prayer and fasting things, really revealed to me, you need to plant the right seed here. Seeds of preparation will lead to not chaos, but order. So if you want order in your home, then you need to plant seeds of preparation, and you need to do all the laundry. I was like, oh, my gosh. It's like a no-brainer. But I'm just running around thinking all these other things are affecting this thing. Where's all this peace? Is there a demon in our house? I mean, we get really spiritual really fast with this stuff. And then all of a sudden, it's like, no, you just didn't do the laundry. You didn't do the dishes. You didn't do those things that would bring you more peace, or you didn't do those things so that you would have more order. And so chaos is going on in your life because you're not planting any seeds of preparation. And so I started doing all the laundry. And I like doing the laundry. I like watching watching a TV show while I fold laundry. And now the kids always have clothes. It's been a few years now. I I can't remember the last time they asked me for clothes, which is awesome. And my wife helps sometimes too. But I like to do the laundry. It's like I like to do it for her. I didn't say, I didn't mean to say that that way. I was trying to say that she has to fill in when I, you know, slack. But I need to plant those seeds of preparation if I want to reap uh, the rewards of that. And so am I planting the right seeds to reap what I want? Am I sowing in the wrong places? It's question number two. You know, there are so many parables and so many stories in the Bible about sowing and reaping. I'm not even going to read all of them, but 
Most of us know the story about the man that's casting seed, and it says some of it falls upon hard ground, some of it falls upon thorny ground, some of it falls upon good ground. Sometimes we're casting our seed in the wrong place. Sometimes we're casting it upon hard ground, ground where we're not going to grow anything. No matter how much seed you cast, you can keep trying as hard as you can, but it's never going to grow because the, hard, the ground is too hard. It's not ready to be planted yet. Sometimes, like people will call it an Ishmael in your life, we'll cast seed into the wrong place and it grows in the thorny places of our lives instead of in the fruitful places of our lives. And now we're just left with a problem. This thing, it grew, but it's wrapped up in all this chaos and all this stuff. It's not healthy. It's being choked out. So am I casting my seed into the wrong place? But when you cast your seed into an area and all of a sudden you see that growing and it's producing the right things, not chaos, not any of those things, it's producing the right things, you know, I need to plant more over here. I need to take all this effort I'm spending in these areas. I need to bring it over here. I need to plant more in this area of my life. So question number one, am I sowing what I intend to grow? Question number two, am I sowing in the wrong place? And question number three, what am I allowing to be planted in me? You know, that last song that we sang has a funny story since Thursday. <laughs> I brought that song to the team. I was like, I really love this song. But I like the team to rate songs, 1 to 10. How much do you like this song? Just like, give it a rating. I got the lowest ratings I've ever heard <laughs> on any song. Normally, it's like, oh, it's a 5, it's middle of the road, or it's a 10. I love this song. And it's pretty mixed, you know. We averaged about a 3. It's pretty low. Well, come to find out, it was kind of the recording that, you know, I shared with them. It didn't sound that great. There were some different factors involved. And so we played it Thursday at practice, and we played it this morning. And it was like we couldn't stop playing it this morning. It just kept going. Every time we get to that ending part of Be Glorified, it just kept going. And it all connected to me. You know, like you don't plan these things, but it's exactly what I want to talk about is that I want my heart to be so on fire for him that everything else burns away. And the only thing left is him. And so I have to ask, what am I letting be planted in my life that's taking up space where he should be instead? You know, I enjoy reading the news, but frankly, it fills me with more fear than it does hope. Are you spending too much time being filled with more fear than you are hope? Are you spending time? Have, I know in this day and age, a lot of people my age have gotten very relaxed about sex and violence in TV shows and movies. Are you filling your mind with things of fear and things that are provocative? And things that are filled with bad language, does that language become the language inside of your head? Maybe you don't say it, but it becomes the language of your heart. It becomes the things where they're going to bubble up big enough at some point that that will become the, the fruit that produces from your life. Because again, that's just how it works. Whatever you plant will grow. 
That's just how you can't avoid it. And you can spend your whole life, if you want to, pulling weeds. But who wants to do that? Just start planting the right seeds. And start planting them in the right places. Don't spend, I don't want to spend my whole life pulling weeds, fighting the thorns. I want to spend my life producing fruit. Delicious, wonderful, vibrant Jesus fruit. That's the fruit I want to be bearing in my life. So if the band could come up, I want to sing that song again. And I want us to ask the question, what am I allowing to be planted in my life? And what do I want God to come right now and to burn up and pull out of my life? And I want us to say this. I really, this is my prayer today. Is that God, make my heart hard to the things of the world, but make my heart soft to the things of God. When the, when the world comes to spread its anger and divisiveness and all those things, I want my heart to be hard to those things. I want it to be hard ground and it just doesn't grow anything. It doesn't grow weeds, doesn't grow in the thorn places, it doesn't do any of that stuff. It just simply sits there and rots. But when God casts his seed into me, I want my heart to be soft to it. I don't want to be resistant when we sing a song about his faithfulness and I'm resistant because of my past. I'm resistant because those prayers didn't get answered. I'm resistant because of the things I've heard about church. I'm resistant because of all these experiences in my life. No, I want my heart to be soft to the things of God. I want you to think about that moment in the garden when the snake comes to Eve and really the question he asked was actually this. It wasn't just, well, didn't, did God really say that? You know, the questions he asked her. But what, what he was really telling her is, Eve, you're not enough. You need to do this because you need to become more like him. You're not enough the way you are. But that, God made her exactly the way she was supposed to be. She had everything that she needed. He literally said, you have everything you need in this garden. Tend to this garden with me. But the enemy, he comes to plant a seed. And that seed he planted in her mind was, you're not good enough. You need something else besides what he has given you. And that's just not the truth. A seed got planted in Eve's mind that grew into the fruit of sin. And that's what gets produced in me when I let it go too long. And when I let him start planting things in my heart and in my mind, they come and they produce sin, not righteousness. And so as, as we just sing this song and just take a moment, God, make my heart hard to the things of this world, but soft to the things of you. I invite you to just stand with us and worship. Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.